My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? fallen came down here and advanced the humans too quickly so then this became a prism for those who had known the secrets of heaven for they longed to be in the heavens and didn't understand why they weren't allowed in heaven so then they kind of created like a hell like atmosphere for everybody and learned how to stay here longer it was like started off as a playground and they just kind of took over like as bullies because the angels came down and gave the information to some of them those who worshiped them so that was the sin so there were seven main transgressors which correlate to the seven planets that revolve around our sun locked in forever as uriel describes in chapter 21 verse 6 where he says these are the number of the stars which have transgressed the commandment of the lord and are bound here till ten thousand years the time entailed by their sins are consummated so Enoch calls them the watchers because they're the stars that are watching the earth. That's all they're tasked to do is watch the earth. You know, whether the the size of the, or I'm sorry, the shape of the planet isn't relevant for all of us to agree that the stars are revolving in some way in a repetitive motion around us. That we're not moving around them, they are moving around us. I believe in the geocentric earth we're stationary so the way that i say we are cells to god and just like we have a bunch of cells we are all cells and make up a larger being called god and as you get smaller and smaller that the cells of these beings as they died the cells started become come out of them essentially you know like the titans were 4500 feet tall you know i think that being smaller than them just like came out of them basically like an inception style going deeper into the dream you know that we're the deepest part of the dream where we can actually i don't know if we're the deepest part but we're at some part you know (laughs) of this dream
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and today we have a very, very special guest. His name is Todd Armstrong, also known as Emmanuel Kingman. And Todd is a, a really cool cat. I first met him booking him on Sam Tripoli's Zero podcast. And he said, hey, man, I got this Book of Enoch stuff I want to do. Uh, can I come on your show? Can I go on Sam's show? And I said, yeah, let's do it. A couple months later, here we are now making it happen. So please, folks, do yourself a favor and check out the Goodness Over Darkness podcast with Todd Armstrong. Todd has made his way out of the darkness and is now shining that light, helping to guide others out of that same darkness that he overcame. And his podcast is a testament to that. Emmanuel Kingman is a testament to that. You'll find out in this interview that Emmanuel Kingman is his higher self. And that's a big part of my life. And what I do is, is try to connect to my higher self. So it was really an honor to have someone on the show who thinks that way and, and, and lives that way, demonstrates the truth inherent to that. So without further ado, folks, enjoy this conversation with my man, Todd Armstrong, also known as Emmanuel Kingman from the Goodness Over Darkness podcast. Thank you for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast your favorite place to stay up to date with all of the wackiest, wildest, craziest news. Just kidding. We don't do news. Maybe we will, because we got a rock fan live stream, and I'm going to be talking about what's going on in the week. I'm going to be talking about all of the tea, everything that you might need to know. So sign up on rockfin.com. And also, if you want bonus content, bonus audio content, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. We've got a bunch of really awesome bonus audio content, and I'm about to release today a new scene video where Tara and I explored Turkey Hill and all of the strange stone structures. Thank you for listening. The My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast and enjoy this conversation with Emmanuel Kingman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and on the show today, we have a man who you may have seen on Zero with Sam Tripoli. You may have seen him on his own podcast, The Goodness Over Darkness podcast. We're talking to Todd Armstrong from the Goodness Over Darkness podcast. Let us know how this started for you, man, because we're obviously into a lot of the same things. Right. Yeah. So, and I also go by Emmanuel Kingman. So that's why my website's emmanuelkingman.com because it's my higher self has given me that. It's mm -hmm. happened over the last two years. But so where this starts with me is I was in prison six years ago. I was burglarizing pharmacies. So then I, I went to county for a few months and then I got sentenced to a program. So I went upstate for a year, did that, did, did a halfway house in North Philly. I had some friends actually, they overdosed while in the halfway house. So 
you know, it was hectic. We lived right in the hood. It, it was crazy over there. So, I mean, I went through a whole mess of stuff with that, but I don't even want to uh, get into all that. That I talk about that on my podcast, you know, in the early stages uh, of my podcast, I was my entire story. And it, it's a lot to it, you know, all the darkness that, that I went through, all the like sexual traumas, you know, addictions of everything, mostly pharmaceuticals, but, you know, whatever. And, you know, it turns out that, people who take pharmaceuticals for other reasons, you know, they feel the same when they finally get off of them, that they were just addicted to whatever was in the pharmaceutical. Um, so you see it it now. I mean, in, in the day and age, like it's really blatant. The, I've been calling it the medical malpractice industry, but yeah, man, it, it, it's really, it's really cool to see you come from there to this point here where you're expressing yourself. You're honest about your story. I mean, with the title of the show, my family thinks I'm crazy. Obviously, a lot of people can relate to that. And I think, you know, oh, yeah. part of the challenge that I set out for myself is like being as honest as I can be on this show and not trying to present myself as someone who I'm not. And, you know, kudos to you, brother, for like sharing that on your show. I hope people do go and listen to that and, and connect with you on that deeper level because it makes it all much sweeter so to speak to kind of go into this these subjects and these rabbit holes Mm -hmm. knowing that you're not just like some armchair researcher you're a guy who's you know gone through a lot and you know we'll get into it now i hope this darkness transmuted itself to light right what was that process like so yeah it was a huge slingshot effect so like i said like i lost 100 pounds i had ocd anxiety depression anger issues like crazy you know i wasn't a very loving person in general i was my first reaction was always anger you know maybe not my first reaction but that was like my go-to thing so i really had to overcome that but what i did it was through meditation ultimately is what saved me but it was 90 days in jail my 90th day i prayed to god for the first time in over a decade you know when i was a teenager i was just like you know god doesn't exist and then my 90th day i prayed for the first time in a long time and i i was no longer a drug addict and i had been addicted for over 10 years so like all of that stuff and then i had i had a ton of different things happen to me and i'm not a victim at all so you know anyone listening I caused all these things to happen to me. So it's not that, you know, things just happened to me, you know, out of nowhere. Like I, I put myself in these situations. So I had to go through it and I had to get off of, I had to get that off of me. So what I did was a couple years ago, about two years ago, I started to wake up a little bit. I started to get into, I started to ask, where are we? And earth didn't, wasn't enough for me anymore. When someone said we're on earth, like, okay, what's that mean? Like, I want to know more. Where do we come from? What is this place? You know, there's, has to be a reason for all this. Like I didn't go through all that shit just for nothing. So I, like I said, I lost a ton of weight. I did all that already. So I was raising my vibration the entire time. I was, I, I was changing myself. I was actively observing myself, but I hadn't started meditating yet. So once I started meditating, that at first I could only stay awake for one minute. I could have unfocused my brain, you know, clear my brain for only one minute. 
and I would that would be good enough for me for a few months, maybe a few weeks. Then it lessened. Then I needed it more and more. But every time I did it, it was like this amazing feeling. The next few days, it was literally, you know, and I look back on it, it was literally going up an evolutionary scale, and things would get so much better because I was climbing up the scale. Mm-hmm. And then one time I stayed awake 20 minutes. It took me to uh, get through this one guided meditation, and I stayed awake through it. It was the first time I broke through to the other side, and ever since then. I've never fallen asleep again. And I, I started meditating for hours at a time for, you know, just un, unfocused meditation. And what ended up happening to me was I popped my crown chakra open by taking a bong hit that was too big. I held it too long, you know, that type of deal. And it popped open my crown chakra. And it made me become psychic all of a sudden. It was this very intense thing. I wasn't even really sure what chakras were at the time. You know, it was just happened to me. And of all days, it started December 22nd. It was very weird. You know, like the sun was is rising, you know, the whole thing, astrotheology. So it was very weird that it just something rose in me on that day. So then I, I really started, I got into psychedelics right before that, though. So, but, and I was meditating, but it wasn't at the... I wasn't understanding everything the way I was, but because it felt so good, I kept chasing it more and more, this love that I felt from God, you know, that I didn't have when I was a drug addict, when I was burglarizing pharmacies and uh, yelling at my daughter for, you know, just being a kid, you know, doing all the, the things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. I didn't feel that love. So when I started feeling that love, I chased it. And so what I did was I uh, withheld from ejaculation for 105 days, starting in January 1st, 2020, until it was just after Easter. I think Easter was actually my 100th day. It was something like that. So it was just like something changed in me. And I could feel this. It was my Kundalini rising, which I didn't know at the time, but it wasn't at all painful the way people describe how it was burning through their bodies it was more of a control thing because i was instead of producing you know externally i was doing it internally and it went right on my so i was in control of it the entire time so now i teach people how to you know do these types of things i have mentorship programs for it so i went through very intense processes doing very intense different types of techniques the wim hof method first time i did that i saw aztec symbols appear in front of my face red aztec symbols start just appeared in front of my face because of the the capacity that that takes you to you know maybe i was already open to it from the different drug use in my life or maybe it was the different trauma opened it up you know however it got opened in me i was able to use it to go to the other side and the more that i stayed awake in the sleep realm the more control i got the more imaginative i became and the more i began to control my life in very many ways you know experimenting seeing that if i react to this way when this car is parked in my designated parking spot if i react like this then i'm gonna have it keep happening but i change it and it changes and it's like magic in front of my face and i really got a grasp of that and i moved to georgia mid-pandemic and i met mimi my girlfriend and you know my daughter and i moved down here and it's been magic ever since you know just everything falls in line synchronistically 
and you know it's just riding the wave and understanding that there's something greater on the other side that we're all here doing yeah man wow i mean i'm not gonna shy away from it but i did get a little shocked when you mentioned that you were were celibate and you know it's something that i thought i would never be able to do in my life and and it's amazing that you know you found that before you had a, a relationship i don't know if you were in a relationship at that time but i found now that i'm in a relationship it, it's more uh feasible for me to pull that off because there is that kind of like steadiness of our relationship but at the same time it's not my decision anymore you know what i mean i feel like i gotta consult with the lady if i'm gonna do something like that but i think she might be okay with it if if it means my kundalini rises because yeah what you, the yeah, way we've been doing that. that down well and the way you just broke that down it's very true to my experience you know i've never i never went down the pharmaceutical route you know I'm just maybe lucky that for whatever reason, that sort of thing always just turned me off really badly. Right now, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'm definitely addicted when it comes to smoking weed, you know, like I'll smoke every day. So I do have my struggles in that realm. And, you know, using psychedelics off and on for the past couple of years, really off more than on. I have had those moments and I thought you described it really perfectly with the, the, the car uh, parking spot situation, because it's those little things in your daily life that, you know, and it sounds cheesy. And we as teenagers are like, there's God doesn't exist. He's not watching us. But in that way, when you realize that the universe is conscious and there really is a creator watching us in that sort of metaphorical way, or maybe in a realer sense, you can start to understand how you're living within that those physics mm -hmm. so to speak and 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 reattune yourself and and tune yourself towards the reality you want to live in not the frustrated one where your car is always you know you're always struggling for a parking spot no you want to live in the reality where things just go easy one step after another so when you are faced with resistance don't resist back ease into it right would you mm -hmm. say that's true for your experience yeah the the world is algorithms that's what it works on and you know when you start to understand that then it makes everything else become so much easier because you can you're programming your world essentially you are creating uh, you're not creating you're using the world around you that god created you're using it to your benefit or your downfall no matter what you're doing it is responding to you. It is a law that God created so that God didn't have to punish us. We would punish ourselves. So it's karma or it's mm -hmm. cause and effect. This is what it is. When we we have to see what we're doing, what we're thinking, we have to see it happen to us in order to understand it. You know, that's why God has creation. He came down to creation because he had to understand it. It, it, that is why we're here we're here to understand experience uh, and we're here to do certain things and to move away from certain types of thinkings and into higher types of thinkings and it's a process that it's an evolutionary process mm. and we can live this in one lifetime so you know 
this is what Jesus taught us, is that you can do this all in one lifetime, whereas a lot of teachers before him were saying you just have to live out your life and then you'll have a better life after that. But Jesus is like, no, you can change everything about you right now and you can have the best life you want right now. You know, so so when once you start taking action in your own life and realizing that how special you are, it really makes a difference in how you treat other people. And it's not saying that I am more special than anyone else. I just know how special I am. Everyone is super special and everyone has to find their own way. And once they do that, then it's like, okay, you know, this place actually is for my benefit. I can, I've just been using it the wrong way. Yeah. Recognizing the creator in all, in ourselves, in others. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what's so awesome about this journey is people are now hearing us have this conversation and, you know, getting inspired to change their life and take action in their life. Right. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that hosting your own podcast. People probably reach out to you and say, you know, probably similar things to what you experienced, like, Hey, I'm going through this. And then I heard your show. And now I'm like, Whoa, everything's so much clearer. Is that you, have you had that happen with the goodness over darkness cast? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's one thing, you know, research and everything that that we research in this type of community, you know, open-mindedness, spirituality, conspiracy, you know, exploring the outer limits of thinking. We, we learn things, you know, through videos, through reading, but it's another thing to learn through action and talking to people and going places and doing things. And, you know, when you're there at a certain location and you're talking to the locals about certain things and you're getting information that you wouldn't get otherwise, you know, being real hands-on with things is a whole other experience. So the podcast, you know, it's so beautiful that we can do these types of things. And I love your podcast, you know, and you know, you are booking the guests for a tinfoil hat. So like, there's so much, uh, that I've learned because of you and everything you're doing. So, you know, being on here is an honor. So, well, and I bring that up to, to ask you too. It's like, you know, when we're putting this sort of information out, like you and I are, you, you meet people who are resonating with you and your show is like that kind of like beacon that, you know, they might not have necessarily known why they gravitated towards your show or my show or any show. But when you do, you have that like synchronization moment. And I guess what I'm really trying to get at is when you began this uh, experience of your chakras and the Kundalini, you know, it doesn't matter what books you're reading, you know, or what, like who your teacher is. There's a sort of process that's inherent to being human and opening up, right? Would you say that's true? Like, and that's kind of where the universalism is. It's not that everybody's on the same wave. It's that you literally like have to be in the same frequency to experience and discuss this sort of thing. So there's sort of like a coagulation that occurs. Yeah, I I can. Yeah, I get what you're saying that you have to be you can't be too far away because you wouldn't be in this the universe you know you wouldn't be held to this frequency that maybe we call gravity so my with the chakras yeah so i do have people tell me you know how much some of the things i say helps and you know it's such an honor because that's really all i want to do is help people it's it's my number one thing to do because i've done a lot of wrong in my life now i try to do a lot of right and i 
just try helping people because I've been given this gift of seeing things and feeling energies that other people might not know about themselves and I can pull it out of them and I can s help show them see what they're doing incorrectly maybe not incorrectly is the right word just what they're doing that they can change in order to have a better outcome and i do that you know i have people i have long discussions with on the phone all the time i i text with people all the time you know it's one, my favorite thing to do honestly so my chakras yeah what happened with that you know i developed this technique of what my spiritual baptism is so what I play a certain music and I clear people's chakras completely open. You know, I, we focus on the root and then the sacral, you know, all the way up solar plexus, heart, throat, third eye, and then the crown. So I focus on them and I crack you open and you know, some things are going to come out of you, but you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to handle, you're going to be able to see what's going on. And I only use the name of Jesus Christ, which is different than the character or the man of Jesus or Yeshua or, you know, the avatar, however one wants to deem it, there is a difference between that ascended master who is equal to us and was showing us how to do it his way, or not his way, you know, just how we could do it that way. And there's a, a creator that took the form of Jesus Christ, took the image of Jesus Christ when he was hung on the cross and became everything for all of us. He became the one to take away our pain. God learned, experienced through Jesus Christ, how he should be God and what his new standard for God would be. So he became Jesus Christ, who was going to take all your sins from you by helping you love yourself, essentially, and clearing out all your chakras. So what I do for people is I get Jesus in there and he chases out everything. I literally had demons chase out of me. I had 400 pounds of chicken and cheese fall on top of me. I'm a truck driver. I had 400 pounds and I land right on my uh, tailbone. And because I'm psychic, I have sight that's always open and I see sludge come out of my root chakra immediately as I'm thriving in pain. I thought I was paralyzed. I had to move myself out with my hands. It was like, it was intense. You know, I had this laying on top of me and I had two old little Spanish ladies who spoke no English were trying to help me, but they couldn't help me. And I could, I, I don't speak enough Spanish to be able to you know, when I'm in that much pain to be like, help get this off of me. So they didn't really help. So I had to slide myself out, but I, I saw a sludge come out of me. And then the rest of that weekend, I, I end up burning tobacco, which I find out afterwards is a Native American practice to ward off evil spirits. And then I uh, was drinking a certain tea on Sunday. So it happened Friday and then Saturday and Sunday, I have the tea. And I'm having a big laugh with my daughter about something. And then I go laugh with my girlfriend about something. I go to th throw up and demons come out of me. I, like I was just like relieved. I was saved by Christ is the first words that came to me. Now, and hold on, let me clarify, because you play, you painted like a really, and I, <laughs> this is a, quite an image you painted. So this isn't a car accident. This is like a accident accident where you had a bunch of I had a hand truck. chicken. Okay. So you had like heavy, like, because I've worked in grocery stores and warehouses. I know what you're talking about. You had like a pallet or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole, yeah. It was as tall as me. And I went to go pick it up over yeah. a little hump oh, and it, it yeah. was, it was wet and I slipped. Right.
and, and the whole and thing you, just came you mentioned on there. losing a lot of weight i mean you obviously you could see the metaphor there like chicken and cheese are not the healthiest things to be eating especially the way americans process them i mean so would, would you say that that was part of the karma too like your your past choices kind of like falling on you in that way no i, I never connected that I, I mean i never thought of it that way i mean maybe i could think about it and i'll get back to you on it but no i, I never saw it that way well, I hope I didn't insult you there, Todd. I didn't. <laughs> no, <it>. no. <laughs> so get so getting back to it though, with this, now you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting before about the difference between being awake and asleep, and like you're not talking about the type of sleep that we do when we go to bed at night. You're talking about consciousness and how most people are not aware or awake to their psychic. Uh, senses or their, you know, their other sensory organs. Is that the uh, what you're saying with with the way you broke that down? Yeah, everybody's basically clogged up. It's just, you know, we're wearing all this shit that all these bad behaviors that we do, all these things that we collect on us, they weigh us down and every which way and they manifest in being overweight, you know, losing your hair, going to prison, all the uh, bad things that I had going for me, you know, it, it was, I was completely bogged down. And, you know, life doesn't actually have to be that way. From childhood, we don't actually have to go through darkness to understand uh, light. You know, when we look around and we see kids that are uh, like super wise, for example, you know, adults love that shit. They're like, oh, yeah, we got to learn from kids. But then, you know, it's just it's so weird how we as uh, adults go through life and get so serious and forget how to live life instead of, you know, living like children, you know, having our imagination open, because the more my imagination's open, the more I can be telepathic and I connect to people. Because what I started doing was I just imagined that I was, you know, what were they saying, you know, like over there, like, I, I just imagine, and then I start to pick up on the energy. And then you start to, you know, kind of start hearing words that are maybe kind of like a thought, but it's, it's hard to describe, but it's not really a thought that you're having. It's kind of like you're tuning into something. Once you get that, then you start pulling it in more and more. It's like reeling it in like, a, like you're fishing, right? And you got to be very gentle with it. But eventually you get to a point where you actually are hearing what's going on. And it's not just people, but you can connect to the energies all around you that are in plants and animals. And, you know, maybe some things that are disembodied you'll be able to connect with. Damn. Yeah. So now taking that level of awareness, because I'm I'm fascinated. I I can't say that I've experienced any psychic phenomena i could be just you know humble about it but you know nothing that would be completely out of the ordinary for somebody who is aware of mysticism i think once you're aware of these things they do start to creep into your life for worse or for better you know people have heard my story with alistair crowley and how i when i was researching him i literally like attracted a, a schizophrenic person into the into the cafe i was working in who like 
recited Aleister Crowley and he had no awareness that the book was in the store. Like it was behind the counter out of plain sight. So it was just so strange that I drew that out of that person. And, but yeah, as somebody who hasn't really experienced that level of Kundalini awareness, I would call it, you know, applying that vision to something like the book of Enoch I imagine you see a lot more than what the average person might see when they read it just on its face with just the context of English language means this, right? Like seeing into the, the person who wrote it in a way, would would you agree with that? Yeah. So whenever I read something, uh, I'm picking up the energy of when it was written or maybe not when, but maybe someone who's reading it, I'm, picking up on different energies that are associated with it and the same when i'm listening to it it's putting me in the situation so i can see it and i'm bringing it back and like i said my third eye is open and i just i'm seeing things and it's not that i'm physically seeing it with my eyes it's like in my mind but it's just as real as i can see anything in front of me like i i know what's going on in two places at uh the same time and it's hard to keep track of sometimes but when i whenever i put my mind to it i can just like tell you what's going on you know in a general uh vicinity some things are stronger than others so yeah when i when i opened up myself the way i did you know it's not the best of ways to just do a bunch of psychedelics in a short amount of time and do super heavy breathing and burst yourself open that way you know it can be very super dangerous and it was uh, very uncomfortable i'll tell you that it was uh, a very odd feeling i thought i was going crazy for a while that my brain had this energy on it that was unexplainable and it wasn't it wasn't pleasant and it took a while of getting used to and leaning into as uh, many psychics will say you have to you know lean into it you can't just jump into a full head on. So yeah, uh, when I read something now, uh, I'm very keen with what's going on, but it, it's been a process to get to this point. Mm, absolutely. So let's get into it, man. I mean, what what can All we right. get from the book of Enoch that what, what have you, you researched? Because I'm definitely in, I, I resonate with everything you said. It's true to what I've learned about ascension and, and connecting with divinity. You know, we're we were supposed to be the vessels of information. You know, we're not creating anything out of ourselves. We're just tapping into what's there and then using that to possibly create something in the form of, of art. But, you know, all art is stolen. You know, we're all just taking the same truth and, and expressing it through our own way. Yeah, yeah, it's, I agree with that. Do you want me to share my screen here? Yeah, please. If I have to allow, I might have to allow you to. Oh, no, you're okay. good to go. All right, let's pull this up. Yeah, so I'm I'm not going to break it down the way that I do in my series. You know, you guys can go on my YouTube or even on my it's the uh, Cliff Notes. No worries about that, folks. So definitely support. Like like you mentioned, EmmanuelKingman.com. Is that where they can go to get the full uh, breakdown, or is there a YouTube yeah. channel by that name? Yeah, it's on my website. My uh, YouTube is Goodness Over Darkness, so you can go there as well and go to the playlist and the Book of Enoch series. So it's a three-part series, and we're not going to get to the end part, but on The Son of Man is the third part, and I spend 40 minutes going through different references all throughout the book about The Son of Man. And the importance of that is that this is pre-bible pre hold on one second sorry my dog's barking no worries 
always at the uh, in, uh, most inopportune times. Come on, Alan. <laughs> Come on. All right. Sorry about that. So, okay. So, yes, 40 minutes on the Son of Man references. So, the way that I put this book in order was I put the fallen angels together, all the stuff that involved the fallen angels in a, a part. Then a time, the end time prophecies I put in a part and the son of man I put in a part. So it, but it covers more than just those subjects in there, but that's just a broad overview of what the uh, different parts are about. And the son of man, I mean, it's, yeah, like I said, it was pre-Genesis. Uh, so it's the oldest account written that has to do with the Bible. It's a reference in the Bible and I'll get into that as we start going, but it's uh, just something that everybody should look into of the son of man was talked about in prophecy before the bible existed you know that's what really got my attention all right so there were two enochs i don't know if anybody or everybody's familiar with that there are two enochs you had enoch the son of cain who was the third generation from adam and he had a city built in his name and gary wayne talks about crediting him for the seven sciences gary wayne is very studied on this Mm. Uh, all these types of things. Gary Wayne was just on uh, Tinfoil not too long ago. Yeah, I just had a round table of the Fallen Angels, Nephilim, Alien Abductions, and Secret Societies. He was a part of it. Right on. Tell Where can people tune into that? That sounds That's very, on my YouTube, and yeah. it, you can see oh, on my website as well. Cool, cool. All right, so, so there's two Enochs, the son of Cain and the son of Jared. Yeah, so the son of Jared, this is the Enoch who this book that we're going to go over is about. He's the seventh generation from Adam. He was born a thousand years before the flood. He was Noah's great-grandfather. Some people say grandfather, but they forget about Melchizedek and Lamech. Lamech is Noah's son, and then Melchizedek is, or I'm sorry, is Enoch's son, and then Melchizedek is Lamech's son. So then Enoch walked with God. He's known to have walked with God. He lived exactly 365 years and he never died, but instead he was taken and he was transformed into the Archangel Metatron. So it's not just a new age thing. It's actually from a Jewish rabbi said that. So you got, you know, you got your three different Enochs. You got one Enoch is the Ethiopic book of Enoch, which stayed in the canon of the Ethiopian Bible, the entirety of the existence of it. Uh, and it comes from this Enoch, the seventh from Adam. So two Enoch is similar to it, but it's also uh, a lot about a astrology. So it's uh, more of a uh, fallen angel type of uh, book rather than just from what would be deemed as the as God versus the fallen angels. You know, two is very unreliable mm, and okay. three. And three Enoch is the Hebrew book of Enoch, which was written by Rabbi Ishmael. And he was taken to heaven and spoke directly to Metatron, which he's the one that saw that Metatron was Enoch. So he just had a, some kind of psychedelic experience, meditation, something uh, that he went to heaven, was talking to Metatron. He asked Metatron who he was, and he transformed into Enoch. Right. And so he lived in between 90 and 300 AD, but we're not going to focus on that one. Okay. So, but here it is. He's real big in the new age community. And some people think that it's started from a new age thing, but actually started from the rabbi there. So you can see here in the second point that it says, according to Gershom Shalom, the Hebrew mystic and scholar, the prophet Enoch's 
flesh was turned to flame, his veins to fire, his eyelashes to flashes of lightning, his eyeballs to flaming torches. He whom God placed on a throne next to the throne of glory received after this heavenly transformation the name Metatron. So that's how he became Metatron. You know, that he was raptured literally right on the spot. He became an astral being. He went from being physical to what they're saying flesh was turned to flame. It's burning out of physical creation, something similar to what might happen if a uh, CMA, a strong enough CMA hit and burned our physical bodies, but kept our eternal bodies, you know, something to that effect. Mm. All right. And then we have other books that are mentioned in the Bible, but aren't in the Bible. You have 13 of them here. I'm not going to name them all, but this is just for anybody who is unsure of why we can accept the book of Enoch uh, that it's mentioned in the Bible along with these 13 other books that you guys can go check out and it's referenced in the Bible many times it's directly quoted in several New Testament books Jude Peter Luke Matthew and John it has direct parallels with the book of Genesis and Jesus often spoke using direct quotes from the book of Enoch and it also mentions the Son of Man, the Elect One, the Righteous One, and the Lord of Spirits, which is also mentioned. All these names are mentioned in the Bible. And here you got some quotes from uh, Jesus, and they line up with Enoch, whether they're directly from Enoch or they're just receiving the same type of information from the same God, then they're talking about the same types of things, you know. And here's a second page of that. If you guys want to pause it and check it out or you know like i said it's all in my series and then here's a fun little one tartaria everyone is obsessed with tartaria there's a connection there and enoch 1 6 right in the beginning and the high mountains will be shaken and the high hills shall be made low and shall melt like wax before the flame which sounds like mud floods to me or it could be a lava pouring out but it sounds like high hills shall be made low and shall melt like wax before the flame sounds like a mud flood to me which uh, we all know has probably happened not too long ago. And also, Uriel, who's one of the holy angels, who is over the world and over Tartarus, which is in Enoch 22. And Tartarus in the Bible is hell, or Sheol, actually, is how it's uh, talked about in the book of Enoch. As we're learning from the box saga, that maybe hell is from Helsinki. So want to make sure that we're getting our words right nowadays with all this word magic going on you know mm, absolutely <laughs> so here we have the, the fallen angel so i'm not going to read off all this like i said you guys can pause it and check it out but this all happened during the time of enoch's father jared and then there's all their names and now this part's important because uh, you're familiar with psychedelics this will uh, speak to you so here we got uh, Enoch saying they taught humanity charms and enchantments, the cutting of roots, and made them acquainted with plants. You know, what does that sound like taking psychedelics to you? You know, do uh, are you familiar with ayahuasca and iboga were both said to come about because the plants told the people, right? But if you can imagine that they were people who we call the fallen angels in the book of Enoch, if you can imagine they're in a place where we can't see them and they're speaking to us and maybe we can hear them if they take the psychedelics then we can see them mm. now we can start interacting with them so had the quote-unquote plants never told us then the interaction these fallen angels may not have ever occurred not 
and you know i'm obviously i'm not against psychedelics but that is there's a lot of traps in there so as i was saying earlier you know i don't suggest people go through it the way that i did be you wouldn't be the first person to warn us against psychedelics on the show i actually made the decision after being offered it quite a few times not to do uh dmt because i just you know a don't feel like it's necessary in my life and b i've heard a lot of mixed things about it and i'd prefer to go the route of the you know the monk into it the austere way not you know with the help of of plants that don't even come from my area you know i was born in the northeast you're from pa you said right so we kind of have that land in my belief system i don't know how true this is but i sort of believe that i'm connected to the ancestors of this land the plants the animals and the minerals of this land so i don't know if the amazon ayahuasca resonates with me in this lifetime yeah no i definitely understand but but what you're saying with the dmt so i've been learning i actually had on my show today that came out we were talking about the dmt l's are actually the nephilim that mm-hmm. go along with the fallen angels that clown are nephilim in our world the clowns are represented by the nephilim you know they have they wear stilts they have the giant shoes they have the red hair they have the pale face they have they color on their face for a uh, different war maybe or maybe they're somehow they look dead and in order to look more lively they paint their face you know something to this effect that's uh, scary i mean and- with all the horror movie i mean and then there was the whole like remember that like it was like i forget what year it was it was like three years ago four years ago it was it was a news story that clowns were scaring people particularly frequently and it was around the same time that 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 information about hillary going into the nephilim getting the nephilim dna from some some i forget where it was but it was when she was uh, secretary of state and she made an inquiry about these artifacts that allegedly could have had Nephilim DNA on them somehow. And they were trying to, you know, seize that, so to speak. But yeah, it's just, it's so fascinating to hear the connection because, you know, I don't think that people necessarily understand what they're witnessing when they go and see a horror movie you know all of those themes come from occult occult aspects you know books it comes from this time in the 19th century when theosophy was trendy you know so the idea of like the corporeal body being like the vessel for a soul that got transmuted somehow into the idea of a zombie and a Frankenstein, you know what I mean? So even those things that don't seem like they have much to do with like metaphysics, like ghosts, obviously, like we're talking about disembodied spirits, but yeah, man, I would not absolutely not discount the possibility that clowns could be connected to the fallen angels in that way, given that most of what we see in that realm was inspired by these things, horror movies and such, but also the circus. I was just talking about this. I forget. I think it was on the big dumb podcast actually, because I was looking into the Tartaria stuff with Barnum uh, and Bailey's circus. And yeah, there's so many strange occult aspects to the circus too. So does not surprise me one bit that you guys found a connection uh between the nephilim and clowns 
Yeah, and the DMT and this hyperspace. Mm. You know, our cell phones, the black mirror, our TV screens, our computer screens, our technology. That's right. where they come from. Well, They're a frequency you know, that comes out of it. You know about, you know, John D and how he yeah. connects to Enoch, right? With the Enochian magic. Well Well, that's the other Enoch. Okay. See, that that's Cain's son, Enoch. That's the seven sciences that he's connecting with. So let's thank you for clearing that up. But I do want to point out the reason I bring that up is because one of the first things that I learned about when I just had crystals is like, you know, I, I was fascinated by them. So I would buy crystals all the time. And I learned that John D had a crystal scrying uh, mirror and it was made of obsidian. And if people don't know what obsidian looks like, it's the same uh, color as a, the average phone screen when it's off. Like yeah, black saying, mirror. this black mirror, this obsidian mirror, they would use it for scrying, which is a type of divination, but, you know, mirror like projector. Yeah, mirrors are just as modern as like toilets and plumbing. Like mirrors were not a common thing until maybe the 19th century. So there was a time when mirrors were considered like a cult and, and the well, they are. And the, yeah, and they absolutely are because when you look into the reflection of something, whether it's in, on it's the, the astral world, water, there we go. Boom. So we're, yeah. we're, we're looking into this astral world that's actually hyperspace through yeah. this, the way you just laid it down. I love that. That's super fascinating. Let's yeah, get that's, that's where the Nephilim come from. That's why the black and white stripes for Beetlejuice, that type of character, mm -hmm. all the clowns. Okay. Uh, if you look at history, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to this in a second. When we get uh, into history, the first three colors that humanity sees are black, white, and red. And what are the Nephilim or what are clowns you know, known for? They're known for wearing black and white stripes or white and red stripes. Mm. And the the red hair, the pale skin, you know, it's the the red nose, the red cheeks, it all connects. It's, uh, you know, somehow that's seriously where the Nephilim come from. The fallen angels somehow put them in here. They're like the architects when you smoke DMT, you run into them. So, you know, getting back to this, it's like the same thing. The Nephilim and the Neanderthals are about the same thing. You know, the way that we can maybe describe it in... Uh, human terms maybe not the neanderthals maybe it's just the bones that the smithsonian's covering up you know there's plenty of different ways that the evidence for the giants has definitely been covered up so let's say down here so he, the reason why this is this is sin is humanity was supposed to be on its own ascension course and where it was to learn everything it needed as its conscience consciousness evolved but the fallen came down here and advanced the humans too quickly so then this became a prism for those who had known the secrets of heaven for they longed to be in the heavens and didn't understand why they weren't allowed in heaven. So then they kind of created like a hell-like atmosphere for everybody and learned how to stay here longer. It was like started off as a playground and they just kind of took over like as bullies because the angels came down and gave the information to some of them, those who worshipped them. So that was the sin. So there were seven main transgressors which correlate to the seven planets that revolve around our sun locked in forever as uriel describes in chapter 21 verse 6 where he says these are the number of the stars which have transgressed the commandment of the lord and are bound here till ten thousand years the time entailed by their sins are consummated so enoch calls them the watchers because they're the stars that are watching the earth that's all they're tasked to do is watch the earth you know whether the the size of the or i'm sorry the shape of the planet 
isn't relevant for all of us to agree that the stars are revolving in some way in a repetitive motion around us, that we're not moving around them. They are moving around us. I believe in the geocentric earth where we're stationary. I have an idea of that. It's some kind of, it's always a bunch of geometrical shapes, the size of the earth. And it depends on what dimensional scale you're in because I see the earth as many different forms and it's all layered on top of one another. So I can pick up on different things at different times, but we can see that the stars are all watching us and the, the planets, as we know them by the ancients, they were called the wandering stars because they wandered off from heaven onto earth. So they are now locked in orbit around the sun as they are made to worship the sun for what they did. You know, it's all the words are there for this, you know, the way that we talk about everything. We just don't know that we're saying it. We're, it's like double speak and we only see it one way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So then on this page, I got a bunch of other verses that show that the stars are the fallen angels, that they are literally the spirits of those planets. But I'll just skip down to these last two. This is very interesting. Uh, especially for uh, conspiracy theorists uh, with the bull worship. So in Enoch 89.1, he says, And again, I saw with mine eyes as I slept, and I saw the heaven above, and behold, a star fell from heaven, and it arose and eat and pastured amongst those oxen. So two verses later, he says, And again, I saw in the vision and looked towards the heaven, and behold, I saw many stars descend and cast themselves down from heaven to that first star, and they became bulls amongst those cattle and pastured with them. So this is talking about ball worship. You know, the angels became the animals around them. They blended in with the atmosphere. And this is also a metaphorical dream where the bulls are the beings of the earth and the stars came and just mingled with them. He, they pretended that they were them, you know, similar to They Live, the movie. They pretended they were them and splendid in so here we got a couple more passages but you guys can all check that out if you want more you can pause it and read it and then these just go into okay so let me go back to the last one so this <laughs> this goes into the rock formations on our planet and how rock is the only material that's not living so it is all fossilized that's what rocks are they are fossils just depending on how old as above, so below is a scale on such a magnitude that we couldn't possibly understand that the entire Earth ends up being just the face of uh, one being at some point. You know, it just makes the image of man. So, it, and then the Earth it becomes the tiniest cell for you know the largest being ever. It's just on a repeating scale. We are completely huge and completely tiny. So, rock that we see you hear a lot of people in the tartaria say it's melted buildings it could be that buildings the mountains were once homes in that they made homes in the already existing things that were there so the way that i say it, we are cells to god just like we have a bunch of cells we are all cells and make up a larger being called god and as you get smaller and smaller that the cells of these beings as they died the cells started become come out of them essentially you know like the titans were 4500 feet tall you know i think that beings smaller than them just like came out of them basically like an inception style 
going deeper into the dream, you know, that we're the deepest part of the dream where we can actually, uh, well, I don't know if we're the deepest part, but we're at some part, you know, <laughs> of this dream. So here I'm about to show you guys some pictures of some weird stuff of mountains that were people at one time and not to not to say that all mountains are people or all mountains are melted buildings or everything that i was just saying you know there's many different things going on all over the world there's a lot of mesas that are trees but there's also a lot of just different things that have formed in one way or another you know we're not locking everything into one specific category so here we say that it says in a uh, seven two right here, and they became pregnant. And they bear great giants whose height was three thousand l's, which you know I can't really I can't really imagine a, a human woman having something that size. But if we think that maybe they were much larger than we are, and humanity has been shrinking over time as carbon dioxide and oxygen have been leaving the atmosphere, and just like the dinosaurs were dying off and the giants were dying off because of the lack of oxygen and carbon dioxide, so rather than everybody always have been the size we are everything else was much larger before us i think mm. and then here we got to, it looks like two beings that were about to kiss and maybe got flash frozen and became this where where, where uh, is there an explanation for where this is no i don't have an explanation for it. i just grabbed the pictures that i looked up online mm. yeah this is very this is very fascinating. I'm not going to call you in the question, Todd, but I know somebody with a critical eye might be like, well, that's just Photoshopped. You know, the classic excuse with any photo is right. it's just Photoshop. But I okay. will say, you know, bearing this, is, you know, as the only example, maybe, but I've seen here in New England, boom, he had just hit us with three more examples. <laughs> I don't think this, see this one in the middle. I'm not, uh, I don't think yeah. this is real. You know, maybe the, the cave hole here was real. I don't know about all this, mm. but this guy here on the left and this guy here on the well, right. That's what I was just about to point out is there are a lot. And mm -hmm. in my area alone, uh, New England, there are quite a lot of anthropomorphic stones that have existed in time. But during colonial times, a lot of these uh, stones were considered demonic idols by the Christians who, you know, colonialized uh New England, and they were either destroyed or, you know, the stones were used to create. Well, maybe they were the fossils of those actual beings. I'm starting to think that some statues are the old bodies of actual beings. Wow. I mean, yeah, we, we have minerals inside of us. Our skeleton is made out of minerals, so it's not completely far-fetched. And I've heard, you know, and I like where you're going with this, things evolve from a larger scale down to a more finite scale. I mean, even scientists say that. They might not agree with anything we're talking about here through this perspective, but scientists with their theory, that's kind of how they deem the uh cosmological origins to have possibly gone from the largest to the smallest but it's really interesting because i've heard i think it was either in the secret history of the world by mark booth or the secret teachings of all ages by manly p hall but there is a we'll call it a hermetic legend for lack of a better word of a time when human beings or the proto-human beings were gaseous 
beings and much, much larger than we are today, kind of like what we would consider like Saturn and Jupiter, they're gaseous planets as opposed to a solid planet like Mars, if we're going to even <laughs> take them for, again, what the scientists are telling us they are. I tend to not. But in this case, I think it's it's very interesting, you know, when we're looking at the state of matter, there are you know, three states, right? Solid, liquid, gas. But then you have this fourth state, the plasma, the ether. And I think that's really what they're talking about when they said gaseous. It wasn't gas as we know it here, uh, but it was more like a plasma or an ether that permeated. And you hear that in the Bible with terms like the, you know, the milky dew that Adam would receive from, you know, the stars, or I forget the passage, but that's more your specialty, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it definitely lines up, especially, you know, we know the dinosaurs existed to some effect. A lot of people think that they're fake completely. I actually think that they're, there were just larger beings. We know that during the last ice age that there was a lot of megafauna, 85% of megafauna in North America were killed off. You know, so we know that there were larger beings. Now, if they call them dinosaurs, whatever, you know, the dragons we know actually existed and they're what dinosaurs you know, they're called that. So we know that things much larger than us existed. You can see all the different things, all the evidence all over the world. So, you know, you just have to really have an open mind and just an understanding of as above, so below on a never ending scale. Yes. Yes. I yeah. just recommended that someone read the Kabbalion today in our telegram chat and, uh, and yeah, those seven hermetic laws as above, so below, that's the, that's the real way to, to have a, a lens. And I would imagine in parable, the seven hermetic laws were probably explained in the Bible in some way you can see yeah, I'm sure. at the very least, but wow, this is another really incredible image folks. If you're not listening to the video version of the show, check us out on uh, Patreon or Rockfin for the video version of the show. Cause We've got some really awesome slides here. This is yes. definitely the face of a man, but very clearly the side of a mountain. <laughs> a huge mountain. I mean, these are all trees. These are what dozens and dozens of trees on this guy's face right. uh, on his one cheek alone. It's funny. There's a, actually a mountain chain not too far from where I live called the Sleeping Giant. And you just put a picture up before you even put the picture up. I said the word Sleeping Giant. Wow. Yeah. Live synchro folks. But yeah, there's a sleeping <laughs> giant mountain chain in Connecticut too. And you can see it when you're driving north on I-95. It looks like a sleeping giant. Yeah. It, I mean, they're all over the place. You can see this is the neck down here and then you got the mouth and the, you know, the big old nose right here and the chin. You know, it's, it's crazy. You got a dog and a snake here, you know, maybe this isn't real, but it's really odd looking if someone made this a thing you know if someone created this that would be kind of weird in patagonia in in south america there's some really amazing examples of this too i think they have like a whole they call it like a, a megalithic zoo or something like that because there are so many different types of animals in the form of stone wow look at this cat's head uh, and it's a cat just crawled that, up. All right, that one, I'm going to call BS on that one. Take right. that one out of the slide. <laughs> hey, I don't know. You, you know I'm, just, I'm just providing it out there. Just, it's just, don't, you never know what you can trust, really. I get it. Yeah, yeah. 
not my picture, but this one, you know, wow. you can see other angles of this one. It's a whole elephant. The, the whole island is like an elephant. Yeah. Wow. That's and that looks like lava rock, which I wouldn't imagine someone can carve, let alone on a boat, because this is halfway in the water. So wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. It looks just like uh elephant skin too, the the it that does. of stone. Yeah, and this would be like through the eardrum, you know, the different cavities right here. Now, what would be really crazy if the, you were going to tell me like, oh, this is in like Norway or something where elephants I don't know exist, but, you know, I don't, I mean, if we're going to go with like the holographic sort of universe, I mean, the energy of the elephant captured in mineral form like that. Wow. Yeah. Well, it once you observe something maybe we're at a point that we're observing it at such a small level that it's stuck in rock but it's actually on another level it's moving so quickly that it looks like it's stationary the right. way that we are interacting the holographic universe you know energetic universe it's all astral universe it's all the same thing it's the blueprint that underlays the solid right. uh, colors of our world and actually color like i was saying earlier is, is kind of weird the way blue didn't exist uh, until maybe like the 1600s or 1700s something along that line that the color blue didn't exist it's mm. very weird and where where not to put you again not challenging you but where did you hear that i mean because that i've never heard that before and i'm curious i know i just how, been how we can back that up not that you know everything now you're fine back up but you know how, what makes you think that's so the first thing I saw was a video just kept popping up on my YouTube, some recommended video, and I kept ignoring it because I didn't know who the person was, you know, and I was talking about the color blue didn't exist. So then one day it was like three days in a row. So I ended up watching it and it's, it goes over the different things. I forget what it was, but then I saw autodidactic too on YouTube. He went over it as well. And it came, you know, it just popped up as a recommended. Mm. So I watched it and it's none of the ancient philosophers. The way they talk about color is it goes black is mentioned the most, then white and then red and then green and then yellow. Mm. Or sometimes yellow and green are reversed. Yeah, it's, I have heard, you know, this does kind of fit into something I have heard about the sun changing colors in the past 100, 200 years or so. And I mean, if the sun has this process of changing its light in some way, I mean, color and light are hand in hand tied together. So maybe the, the level of energy from the sun was different or I don't, I don't mean to put everything through that scientific explanation. Cause I don't think everything deserves a scientific explanation, but it's just that like, that's where my mind immediately goes. And then I'm like, well, yeah, if we look at art in those times, they would never draw like a blue sky the way we see in like more modern paintings, like, it, you know, Middle Ages, Renaissance, like that time period before then, a lot of the paintings had like these gray, tan, purplish, sort of orangey skies, you would never see like the blue sky that maybe you might see in like a 17th or 18th century painting yeah uh, so the egyptians actually did have it they, but they're the only ones somehow they it's were able synthetic to make it. pigment it's they it was made by grinding together yeah. different uh, okay, so minerals you, right 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 so right. they called the they called the sky purple they called the water wine color this was plato's words he would call 
honey, like uh, a greenish color almost. Everything was different for them. They saw the world through a different filter, literally. And I, I think that goes along water lines cool. with hyperspace. I mean, water is blue. That's only true in some places. I mean, I've been to Maine. The water is almost green. Long Island, the water is like that, that like... <laughs> almost uh filmy color from the oil <laughs> that's the color you see in long island sound but yeah there's i mean water isn't always blue so yeah i'm i'm not opposed to this idea i'm just like it's just immediately very now you can find you I mean, can look it up it's blue yeah. until you put it in your glass then it's clear right exactly <laughs> it blues a hard color that's yeah. why like blueberries are like the only fruit there's not many things blue so if you don't see it that often or if you can't describe if you don't have a word for something you can't really describe it that way so your brain doesn't see it that way right so the egyptians were able to have it but they're the only ones you know every other one uh, they, so it's you know it's a very weird thing but you can anyone can look it up and you'll see a lot of stuff and this is academia will tell you this this isn't conspiracy theory at all this is you know just history you know history is told anyway so maybe they're lying about that but i don't see why they would be Right. Uh, so uh, again, back to this. So then God and Enoch addressed the fallen. I'm not going to go over all this, but it's very interesting. All the different things that Enoch says when he addresses all the fallen. So you guys can go check that out on my page. And here's the angel. So here I'll just say that you have the Ophanim, the Seraphim, and the Cherubim. So they're the different classes of angels. And I'm sure that there's more, but these are the three that are mentioned in here. The cherubim are the four-headed beings, the eagle, the, the eagle face, the ox face, the bull face, and the man face right. all around the four sides. The seraphim are the satans or the serpents or the snakes. They are the reptilians, the dragons. That is the seraphim. A Chinese dragon is exactly that. And then you have the ophanim which are the wheels upon wheels with the eyes upon eyes. You know, that whole thing that you see in the clouds, the chariot of fire, they would say, call it as well. Mm, yeah, it almost reminds me of like a, an oracle or something, but yeah, very interesting. Yeah, so then I just uh, go into all that there. Then Enoch goes and journeys through heaven, earth, and Sheol, which is hell, but they called it Sheol at that time. So there's a Middle Earth reference in 26.1. He says, and I went from thence to the middle of the earth and i saw a blessed place in which there were trees with branches abiding and blooming of a dismembered tree and then that's the tree of wisdom where adam and eve ate from is there and it's mentioned in the next uh, bullet point here where it says then i said how beautiful is this tree and how attractive is its look then raphael the holy angel who was with me answered me and said this is the tree of wisdom of which thy father old in years and thy aged mother who were before thee have eaten and they learnt wisdom and their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they were driven out of the garden and this is hundreds of years before genesis so you know this is not coming from the bible if anything the bible would be coming from this and this is not in the bible because this gives you a more complete picture of everything and the controllers of the bible did not want you to see all of this mm. right so then he describes seeing the four cornerstones of the earth, which to me paints a picture of a rectangle shape, four corners of the earth, maybe a square, but I'm seeing a rectangle shape, you know, the four corners. So 
maybe it's some kind of square within a circle that's within a triangle you know that whole thing where it's a repeating scale the the whole geometry thing i forget what it's called but then so he's just what was that fractal like the repeating geometry fractal well yeah but there's uh something where you have like I forget what order it's in, but you have a circle within a square that's within a triangle, that, uh, okay. and then the circle it just keeps going up that way. Okay. I forget what order it goes in that, but I, I don't know if it has a name to it. But uh, you can look it up. It's it is a thing, you know. It's not just uh, making that up. Uh, so then he just continues here, and so the way he what he's describing here, I'm going to show you in this next slide, is this is how what he's seeing the Earth as the triangle within the circle so you have he's describing the four cornerstones of the earth which would be the bottom of the pyramid and he's saying that there's a firmament and you guys can go back and read the last slide or you can go watch my other videos i break it down because it's the way what i'm seeing as i'm reading it uh, is he's painting this picture and it just popped in my mind that he's talking about the firmament there's a hard ending and then there's the abyss and then above the abyss is the heaven, the where God, the creator, resides. And what pops in my mind is the all-seeing eye. And it's within a circle, you know, what I was just saying. It, it's a triangle within a circle, within a square, uh, and so on and so forth on different dimensional scales. It, it's just, yeah, the fractal nature of uh, reality, really. Mm. Everything just breaking off into its own essential thing. Right. Wow. All right. Yeah, and I'm seeing it all come together here, man. I, I like the presentation. I definitely like the footnotes you're leaving us with, but I, I want to encourage people to go and get the full scope of it because it is a lot of information to to take in, and, and you've done the work of gathering all this reading and, and putting it together. So something that you mentioned in our little, like, I don't even want to call it a pre-interview because it was just one question, but you mentioned you wanted to explain or shed light on how we're living in a post rapture time and i'm seeing this slide come up saying end times prophecy so i'm hoping there's a connection here maybe before we we wrap up for the night let me know what you meant by that and let our audience okay. know what what the post rapture time we're living in is so i actually like i said the episode i released today episode 64 with whitney she and i talk about the possibility of us being in a post-rapture world this goes with the search of tartaria this goes with our connection to jesus christ and the information we're being led to so in the late 1700s i believe the rapture occurred this is explains the warring of the 1800s of everyone trying to reclaim land all over the earth because all of a sudden something happened that there was free land to be grabbed and that's what the whole 1800s was spent doing. So the way that the Catholic Church is also depicts all these saints as having halos above their heads always. There's different people you can find on YouTube that provide a lot of different evidence to the millennial kingdom having already happened on earth and that Satan is unbound and loose on the earth. So there we're in an electric universe we're electrical beings there was a the carrington event in 1859 in which it was a cma the largest cme that happened in a very long time happened which could just be a lightning strike of sorts 
and it it changed our world there was some kind of frequency change when that happened now i think that was when satan was loosed upon the earth because what followed that was 1860 the seasonal flu became a thing it did not exist before that in 1865 between 65 and 67 anxiety and depression became a thing they did not exist before then these are all electrical issues in our brains because we're receiving energy in a way we shouldn't we all see that the free energy used to exist and that it's not there for use any longer now we have to plug into things everything is deception in this world whatever you want to find information for you can have all the evidence to back up your opinions and you can have the most cognitive dissonance that you'd like no matter what it is in this world you can believe it because it's the age of deception mm. there's so much information and that is exactly what satan is said to do so we had the byzantine empire was a thousand year reign of christianity maybe that happened in conjunction with some others i uh, don't have the names of the others i saw it in a video that i have linked in my episode i put out today so anyone wants to go check it out you can go watch satan unbound one full movie or satan unbound part two you know it's not my work i forget the guy's name but he did a really good job of it he provides a lot of evidence and now uh, to me the only thing that makes sense is that we're in a world where the devil satan whatever and the demons are running things and they're torturing us literally you know we're we're reaping what we have sown in different ways we have done things to allow it to get to the way that it is where these secret societies run everything and that they're doing manipulation and we're feeding into it you know we haven't been waking up from it so we've been playing into all of their stuff and i think that we are at a time where the final judgment is about to occur so a lot of us don't believe in the bible and what it represents because of how perverted it has been which i totally agree with and i don't know that the bible is actually older than the 1700s and that the freemasons aren't the ones who wrote it but i do know that the bible is the most magic book that there is and i do have a belief that when someone says that it has to be that it's literal events metaphorical events numerology astrotheology all of these things are all work for it so i believe that it is very i take things from ancient times very literal because i don't think that they were saying things metaphorically all the time i think it works metaphorically and it works all those other ways because it's very magical but i do think it's very literal because i've experienced many of the book of revelations exactly as it stated i faced the seven-headed dragon with the ten horns in a psychedelic trip one time i have saw the cherubim in a meditation i have saw the ophanim in my sky i have on my website i have tons of photos of different clouds which are some kind of beings visiting me which they're quite quite incredible if anyone wants to go check that out so there's something to everything that's been occurring with all these different things you know i'm not someone who ever went to church i think I, the only mass i ever been to was my daughter's uh baptism and maybe my own i guess as a when i was a baby but i never went to church i was never into god you know growing up i went to sunday school once in a while 
that's that's all I had and so I experienced Jesus Christ and a very real way and being saved as Christians say after I saved myself as spiritual people say you know getting myself to a certain point and then I went something beyond that and when I connected with Jesus Christ it really showed me that the Bible is a very real thing and the end times prophecy what it says in there is that he's going to return as someone sitting over everybody in the clouds and we're all going to immediately know the face of God. When we see the image of God, we will all inherently know it. Some people in the spiritual community you may hear are talking about some quote-unquote aliens or maybe they call them angelic beings or coming down to take us somewhere to 5D Earth or New Earth, whatever. That is actually the fallen angels. And that is the aliens that they have created. They All the aliens are actually offshoots of the fallen angels messing with human DNA and the animals of this realm, which is why you get all the Egyptian gods that are Thoth, you know, with the bird head, you got Ra, you have Thoth, Thoth is like the anteater, then you have Ra. So that's all connected into what's happening today when we have the movie Lamb coming out where it's a lamb gives birth to a human body lamb head. They're readying us for the abominations of hybrids because this is the end times as described and i think so when i say that we're in a post-rapture world that means that the rapture already occurred the mark of the beast already occurred and i believe the mark of the beast as everybody knows we have to have a social security number and so on and so forth that is definitely part of it but before that i think it became a thing where it actually turned people it changed their dna literally and what we see happening with the thing that is being injected into people. Okay. Yep. <laughs> IRS taxes and the beast. Yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, this book it explains like almost to a T what you just said, <laughs> that one or two sentence. But yeah. That's and the what, black goos that, yeah. that is being talked about now that's like squid-like and changing DNA. I believe maybe, possibly, that if you get enough of those shots in you that it can actually be programmed to change you into something. And I think maybe dogs and cats possibly come from pigs and monkeys, possibly were animals who were one time humans and they received the mark of the beast and they were changed. And possibly that the humans that didn't receive it were beheaded and they became giants somehow or maybe metaphysical beings that then restructured uh everything you know that something occurred they were raptured away somehow and i'm not sure exactly what happened you know obviously this is all speculation but these are different things that i'm being led to in my studies all, all my studies of, are of tartaria are being led to well there's the AEIOU part of these buildings, which is actually what God's name may really be. All the veils may really be how you pronounce God's name. It's God is just the, not just, but is the breath of life. And when you speak veils, and have you heard of the great veil shift? No, not in those terms, but I am aware of the AEIOU connection to divinity, but it, please elaborate on that. Okay, so there's a great veil shift. It happened right in like the 1300s, 
and then again in about the 1800s. So they changed uh, the way, I, I I don't know if it's just English, but you know, I've only learned the English part because- they Adjusted the way English. vowels were pronounced, you're saying. Yeah, so the way vowels were pronounced, they introduced new letters as well. They changed things around a lot. That's why you have like steak and steak with A-K-E and E-A-K, they, they sound the same because they one time one of them got changed but the other one stayed the same you know so if anyone wants to check out my youtube goodness yeah, over darkness like yeah i got a bunch of stuff happening over there i've been doing round tables uh, i'm going to be doing a series once a month called the human race mm. and andy from the deep chair podcast andy rouse and i we have a show we do every other friday live on youtube called worship in the storm so we just started two weeks ago tomorrow will be our next one so you guys, you know, we'll be talking about current events and all different types of weird stuff. Right on. Cool. Andy is a cool dude. I know Andy pretty well now. And and yeah, we got to have you a part of Alt Media, Alt Media United as well, Todd, because that would be great. Yeah, Andy's a part of that. And if you're doing a show with Andy, there's no reason why we shouldn't have you a part of it. So yeah, man, I'll be in touch via email. And thank you so much for joining us here yeah. and if anybody out there you know i also do energy work you know so if you guys want to have a little bit of a mentorship program if you need help getting away from the new age types of thoughts and and the kundalini taking over a little bit maybe the quote-unquote ascension process getting a little more for you a little much hit me up and i will help you you know i, I do this with people and i help them transform themselves i just with a little meditation and a little clarity on where they should be going right on well todd it was a pleasure meeting you it was a pleasure yeah, you as well about you and some of the things you've been researching i love what you shared with us in this presentation and folks please go to emmanuelkingman.com or his youtube channel search goodness over darkness and get this full presentation and and yeah if you are in in need of of a little bit of help in the ascension progress process I know I am. Hit up my man Todd here. He'll help you out. He'll coach you through it. Dude, this has been fun. I'll catch you soon. We'll do another show because there's a lot we left on the table. The fallen angels, that's a whole topic that I want to get into for sure. But thank you for breaking down Enoch with me, man. And enjoy oh. night wherever you are. <laughs> oh.